Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. Fellowship Asheville, I hope you're doing well. And those of you who are joining us from wherever you're joining us, uh, thanks. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to, to spend with us as we worship God through the teaching of His Word. Uh, one of the things that we are focusing in on as a church during this season of, of the coronavirus, of COVID-19, is making sure we are giving as many resources as we can for you to connect to God. This sermon is one of those resources as we record these and, and, and post them on Facebook, on other platforms for you to, to listen to God's Word being taught. But I've also been talking about another thing called the Dwell app, D-W-E-L-L app. Um, and, and I hope that you've taken an opportunity to, to explore that. If, if, if your days have been like my days, uh, they're very different than they were a month ago. And the Dwell app is specifically designed for you to engage with God's Word uh, in a way that is unique and in a way that, that you, can, you can manage and navigate yourself. It's an it's a, it's a audio uh, Bible app that allows you to either pick playlists of specific scriptures or you can even pick a, a work through the Bible plan, a read through the Bible plan. Uh, so you pick what, what fits for you. You also get to, to pick the voice of your narrator, which is really fun. Uh, you get to pick the background music that you have uh, as you hear the scriptures being read. Uh, and so it's an opportunity for you to engage word, to engage God's word. If you would like to do that, there will be a link uh, in the notes of this premiere and a link in our weekly email for you to click on. Because what they've done is they've given uh, churches, they've given our church uh, 60 days, uh, 60 days to experience this for for no cost whatsoever. And so if you'd like to do that, click on that link and sign up and, and we would love to help you engage with God's word. And as more of you are joining us, I also want to tell you a little bit about what we have planned for next week. Next week is Easter, y'all. Can you believe it? Um, here's what we're going to do for, for Easter weekend. Since we can't gather together in person uh, like we would all love to do, we're going to create a couple of opportunities uh, for you and us to engage together because I also think it's so important for us to stay connected to each other during this time. And so what we're going to do on Good Friday is we're at three o'clock on Good Friday, we're going to do a Zoom meeting uh, and we're going to take communion together. I'm going to read some of the scriptures uh, for Good Friday. We're we're going to pray and we're going to take communion together as a church. And so, so that link will be in our weekly email as well as what we're going to do on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, the, the format will be very similar to what you're experiencing right now. We'll do a, a Facebook premiere at 10 o'clock. Um, we're planning on having some live worship to go along with that, not just the playlist, but also some live worship, which will be really exciting. Um, and then after the, the message on Easter Sunday, instead of doing a Facebook Live like we typically do, we're going to do another Zoom meeting. So we can all see each other on Easter morning for just a little bit. And then we're going to transition that over to the kids Zoom party like Carol's doing. And so, so it'll be a great opportunity to stay connected in all of those links can be found in our weekly email. Uh, and so, so please subscribe to that. And if you haven't subscribed to our weekly email and you're new here, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. If this is your first time to experience Fellowship Asheville, I'm so glad that you're here, especially during this time. And if you want to let us know that you're here, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can click the like button uh, on, this, on this and then we'll see uh, who you are and Amy will, will follow up with you. Or you can type new here in the comments as we're going through 
and, and Amy, who is our d- director of connections, she would she'll follow up with you and get you connected to our weekly email and all of that. Or if you're so inclined, you can email her directly. And her email is amy at fellowshipashville.com. Y'all, Easter is going to be great and it's going to be different. Let's just accept that and let's just embrace it. But different can still be good, right? Just because it's different doesn't mean it's not good. Different can still be good. Let's talk about this different time that we're in right now, this different season we're in right now. Because let me tell you what it's been doing for me. There's something that I've noticed uh, that, this, that this quarantine, this coronavirus season has been doing for me. It's revealing some of the excuses that I had that I thought were very reasonable explanations for things, right? Like, like, like listen to this. For the past year, I've been trying to lose weight. I've lost 25 pounds. My goal is to lose 30 pounds, and it still is my goal. But that last five pounds has been almost impossible to lose. And here's what I thought up until a month ago, right? I thought most of my lunch appointments I use to meet with people. Most of my lunch time I spend meeting with people because everybody's got to eat lunch. And so, so we'll eat lunch together. And I try to make healthy choices at lunch. But sometimes, depending on where you are, it's harder to eat healthy. And so I kind of figured, you know, here, here's what would happen. If I could eat at home more often, that five pounds would just slide off, right? Because I could be in control of what I eat. That sounded like a really good explanation for why that five pounds hadn't come off at the end there, right? Well, here's what's happened. I've discovered in the last three weeks, I have been flat out lying to myself for this past year because I've been eating at home now for three weeks, pretty much every single meal. And you know what's happened? I've gained five pounds. I haven't lost five pounds. I've gained five pounds. You know what I think the problem is now? And maybe, maybe this is, 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 is something that, that's true for you. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm just going to go out and go out on a limb here and tell, tell you that it is true for you, if not in food, in some other area of your life. Because what I found out, my problem isn't lunch appointments, right? My problem with losing weight isn't going out to eat or going home or being in control of my diet. My problem, my biggest problem is me. The problem is I really like food, right? And on like a cold rainy day like we've been having, I just don't want to have a salad for lunch. Right. I want something warm and I want something comforting and I want some fresh made chocolate chip cookies like the problem isn't the lunch appointment. The problem is me. And maybe you're here with me. Maybe you're realizing the biggest problem in your life right now is you too. Maybe you thought during this time, since you'd have more time, you would work out more, right? They closed the gyms on you. You thought, no problem. I'll go on hikes. I'll work out at home. This will be great fun. You've discovered, though, the problem isn't the gym. The problem is you just don't like to work out and you haven't been working out. Maybe you thought you would use this time to get those projects done around the house, right? To clean the house, right? Because you've always said, if I had more time, I would get these projects done. If I've had more time, the house would be cleaner. What you've realized is the problem isn't time. The problem is you don't want to do the project. The problem is you don't want to clean the house. Anybody here with me? Anybody realizing during this time that the biggest problem that you face right now is you, 
right? If so, here's what I want you to do. Just let me know I'm not alone in this and give me a like down here on this or give me a heart. Uh, just, just let me know that, that you're in this with me. Let me know that this season is showing you that you too are your biggest problem. Because you see, before we dive into this fifth statement that Jesus talks about from the cross, I want to show you a woman in the Bible who Jesus helped her see that she was her biggest problem. Now, y'all, as we go through this, you're going to see this ties right into our passage, but you're going to think it doesn't for a little bit, right? But, but, but bear with me here, because we're going to be in John chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 14, and then we're going to go to the fifth statement that Jesus said on the cross and, and kind of tie it all together. And so as you're turning there, John 4 verses 1 through 14, this is a season in Jesus's ministry where his popularity was just beginning to take off. Uh, people were knowing his name. Uh, he was going through this, this area called Samaria, which is outside of Israel. And, and the deal with Samaria is that if you were an Israelite, you didn't really get along with the Samaritans very well because, because they worshiped your God. They worshiped the same God, but they didn't worship him in the same way that you did. They, they worshiped him. They had their own temple. They didn't come to the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, they, they worshiped in their, in their own way and in their own temple. And because of this, there was this tension between Israel and, and Samaria. And, and Jesus is walking through this land and he stopped at this well for a drink because he was thirsty. Right. Now, he, it was in the middle of the day. And the deal with wells in the middle of the day is that they usually weren't a very popular place to be. Most people came to the well in the morning to get their water so they would have water for the day. And, and two, I've also been at places where there were ancient wells. And, and as the day went on and, and people were dipping their buckets in there and, and, and the water was getting stirred up, the water also wasn't as clean in the middle of the day as it was in the morning. In the morning, it's fresh and the well has filled up um, and, and, and it's just better water. And so, so in the middle of the day, it, it's just not as clean. And when Jesus came to this well, there was a woman there and she was there at a time where women didn't come to the well. And well, Jesus asked her if, if he could have a drink, if she would get a drink for him. She had a bucket, so it seemed like a very reasonable ask. Let's look at their exchange, right? Let's jump down to verse seven. I just summarized verses one through six. Verse seven says this. Listen, it says this. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And then John, the author of this, puts in these little parentheses to kind of catch us up and let us know. And he says, for Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so as this unfolds, Jesus is going to talk about thirst and talk about water and talk about living water. And what he's going to do is he's going to show her and show us something that's true. And he's going to show us what do we do when we discover that your biggest problem is you. What do I do when I discover my biggest problem is me? What do you do when you discover your biggest problem is you? Now, kids, I want you to hear me, particularly teenagers. I want you to listen up to this. 
Because I want to save you a whole lot of heartache as you move forward in life. Now, I know in your life right now, because I still remember being a teenager, and I know you probably are inclined to think your biggest problem isn't you, that your biggest problem is the people around you, right? You think your biggest problem is your parents. You might think your biggest problem is your siblings or your friends. Well, I want you to hear this loud and clear because because if you hear me on this, Here's what it's going to do. If you hear this truth and receive it, it's going to save you a whole lot of confusion. It's going to save you a whole lot of of chaos. It's going to save you a whole lot of drama that's brought on by by bitterness, that's brought on by blame. And, And so here's what I want you to hear me say and what I hope that you believe is true. It's this, that your biggest problem really is you. It's not those around you. Now, to all the parents who are controlling yourself from standing up and screaming amen right now, I want you to understand that you are the biggest problem in your life too, not the teenager sitting next to you. Let's look together and see what we do when we discover the biggest problem, that I'm my biggest problem, that you are your biggest problem. Let's look at verse 11. And continue this interaction. Verse 11 says this, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And so here's, here's what she's saying. She's like, listen, listen, sir, I don't know what water you're talking about that's living. This well has been here for hundreds of years. And and the people that have drunk from it are famous. Jacob has drunk from it. His sons have drunk from this well. Even his livestock have drunk from this well. And guess what? They're all dead. So unless you know something that these guys didn't know, I have no idea what you're talking about. What he's going to do is he's going to tell her what he means by living water. Here's what this living water does. Look at verse 13. It says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. In other words, he's pointing at the well and he's saying, listen, this water. Yeah, you're right. This water is going to leave you thirsty again. If you drop your Nalgene in there, guess what? You're going to have to drop it in there again later because you're still going to be thirsty. But this living water, it does something different. Look at verse 14. He says, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. So it's something different. He he wants her to know that this living water isn't something that's temporary in quenching your thirst so that you'll be thirsty again, that this is something different. It permanently quenches your thirst. But look, it does something else in verse 14. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So not only does this water permanently quench your thirst, this living water also creates living water in you that springs up so that others can experience this permanency of of having their thirst quenched. And so not only is it permanent for you, it does something in you that that allows you to, to, to help others experience this water. And so she, maybe like some of you, are wondering, well, how in the world do you get that? That sounds like a great deal. Well, verse 15, she says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And, and let's, let's, uh, let's come here to draw water. Yeah, 
Yeah, and so what she does is she's, she's asking me, just, yeah, I, I would love that. That is a great deal. Let's, let's do that. Now watch what happens next, because y'all, this is brilliant. I mean, of course it's brilliant. It's Jesus. Watch what he does. So she asked for this living water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I, yeah, about that. I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So what Jesus does is he does this little switcheroo on her. You see, she's looking for water, and he starts talking about relationships. Now, why, why does he do this? Because see, what Jesus is doing here is he's showing her that she's thirsty for something. And what she's thirsty for, she's going to the wrong well to get her thirst quenched, right? Because she's talking about, he's talking about living water and she says, I want some of this living water. And he's showing her how thirsty she really is. And by showing her that she's going to the wrong well, you see, if she keeps going to this well of relationships, guess what? She's always going to be thirsty. All it does is it keeps her thirsty going from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship. Because here she is. She thinks that her problem is the guy she was with last time. This next guy, he's going to fix her problem. And what Jesus is showing her and what he's, I think, trying to show all of us is that our biggest problem really is us. And in doing this, he's showing her that she's drinking from the wrong well. And y'all, we all drink from wrong wells, don't we? Maybe this season of the coronavirus is showing you what wrong wells you've been drinking from, right? Maybe you've been drinking from the well of Netflix lately. And you've been binge watching. And y'all, there's nothing wrong with watching a good TV show. There's nothing wrong with, 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 with kind of plopping down on the couch and, and getting drawn into a show. But the, it, it's why are you watching it? Maybe you've been drinking during this season more alcohol than you typically drink. Maybe you've started taking drugs that you don't typically take so that, so that you can get through Maybe you too have been drinking from this well of relationships thinking that your problem is that your spouse or the person you're with right now just isn't measuring up. And if you had somebody else, this whole thing would be a whole lot easier to navigate. Maybe you've been click shopping, right? And you've been spending money you don't really have on stuff you don't really need just because you think it'll help you get through. You see, it keeps you thirsty. That's how you know. If this is the wrong well, it keeps you thirsty. It doesn't satisfy. You see, church, here's how we know we're drinking from the wrong well. If we tell ourselves, this will get me through, right? But then tomorrow you need it again. If you tell yourself, this will make me happy. But tomorrow you're sad again. If you tell yourself, this will just be easier but you discover tomorrow still needs work, right? If you say to yourself, this will keep me safe, but then tomorrow a new danger scares you. If you say to yourself, I just have to have this, 
but then tomorrow you need something else. You see, that's an indicator what you're holding on to, what you're going to might be the wrong well. And if you're drinking from the wrong well, it works for a bit, then it's not living water. Because look how this unfolds. Jesus is going to show her the source of this living water in verse 19. Verse 19 says this, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where the people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. The worship that you, we wor- you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, and he said these really powerful words. He said to her, I who speak to you am he. He said, I am him. You see, Jesus shows that he is the one who gives this living water. Now with this in your mind, Asking yourself the same question that Jesus was asking her. I want to ask you, where is your well? Where is your well? Now, I know a lot of y'all are church people and, and it's real easy for you to say, well, Jesus, Jesus is my well, right? Okay, great. What are some other wells that you go to? Right? Keep that question in your mind. Now, let's fast forward to Jesus's life. Let's go from this well to the, to the cross, right? Because on the cross, he was thirsty another time. And Jesus talks about thirst. That's, that's our fifth statement, right? So, so turn with me to John 19. And in John 19, we see the fifth statement that Jesus said on the cross. And in verse 28, it says this. It says, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. Here's what's interesting. Jesus said this word, these, these two words, I thirst for a reason. John was very clear to say he said these on purpose. When the time was right, he said this to fulfill something, to fulfill a prophecy. So what was his purpose? Because here's the deal. He was actually offered wine. He was actually offered something to drink earlier and said, no, I don't need it. No, thanks. But now when he's offered something to drink, he takes it. Why? Why now? Well, John is showing this because he had a reason. He wanted to show us something. He wanted to show the people there around uh, his cross something. And it is this, that there is a prophecy spoken in the Psalms of the Messiah. Psalm 69 verse 21 says this. It says, For my thirst they gave me sour wine. And in Psalm 22, it also talks about Jesus being, being so thirsty that his tongue was, was sticking to his mouth. And so, so Jesus waited on purpose so that everybody would see this fulfills the prophecy. Because guess what they put on a sponge and put in his mouth? Look at what is next to him. So that was verse 28. Let's look at verse 29. It says, a jar of sour wine stood there. So what happened? 
there was this jar of sour wine next to him. And Jesus said, I thirst. And they, they, they dipped a sponge in that sour, in that sour wine and they, and they put it up there. You see, Jesus's time is now, is what he's showing. That he's the one that all the prophecies point to. And just like this woman at the well got to hear Jesus say, I am he, I am the one that gives you living water. So did those gathered around the cross as Jesus hung there. He got to hear them say, I thirst. And when they, when they put that sour wine up to his lips, those who knew this song, which most did sitting there, would think, wait a second. This is, in Psalm, this is Psalm 69. This refers to Jesus. And we get to see that Jesus is the one who says, I am he. You see, by saying this simple phrase, he's showing all of us who he is. That he's the one who offers me and who offers you this living water. Now, the word I'm going to put up on the cross this week might not be the word that you think, because I only had two to choose from, right? I had I and I had thirst. And, and at first I was going to put thirst up there uh, because it's, it's, it's the bigger word, right? But as I was preparing this message and preparing this series, I actually switched it up. And so instead of putting thirst up there, instead I'm going to put the word I. Because Jesus is referring to himself in this. And this is the whole point of these two words, is that Jesus wants his followers to see that he's the one that the prophecies have spoken of. He's the one who quenches your thirst. You see, this woman at the well, and for you and me who also drink from the wrong wells, we get to see that when Jesus says, I thirst, that he is the one well that provides something that'll never go away. And that well is found in the simple word, I. I'm my biggest problem, and Jesus is the only solution. You see, our living water our best well is found in Jesus. And so let me ask you, what well are you drinking from? Does it leave you empty the next day? If so, then it's the wrong well. But here's the deal. The problem isn't the well. The problem is you. And y'all, I say that with all the love I have for you. The problem isn't the well. The problem is you you can turn to the one who will quench that thirst. This is called repentance. And turning from your way to turning to Jesus, that's what repentance is. And when you turn from that wrong well and turn to the one who said, I am he and let he, him be your living water, that's what we call saying yes to Jesus. And you can say yes to Jesus today, yes to his offer of salvation, yes to his well of living water, yes to his truth that you are your biggest problem. Because here's the deal, when you realize that you are your biggest problem, you can receive Jesus as your best solution. And so where do you need Jesus today? See, if you haven't said yes to him, then, then I ask you to just say yes to him today. Say, say, yes, Jesus, I am my biggest problem. And yes, Jesus, I receive you into my life as my best solution. And I give my life to you that you are the well that I will drink from. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we, we have accepted him into our lives. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. The truth is we still drink from wrong wells too, don't we? And Jesus lovingly shows us that there is a better well to return to. 
Because at those wrong wells, we can discover we are our biggest problem. And so where are you your biggest problem? Where are you drinking from the wrong well? Because when we drink from the living water, here's what happens. We can buy what we need because we know Jesus loves us who we are, as just for who we are. We don't have to look good on the outside to impress other people because Jesus sees us as these beautiful, wonderful creations that we are. It means we can embrace the fear that's going on right now and not feel like we have to be in control of it. Because we know that Jesus holds all things in his hands. He is in control. It means that we can turn off Netflix and just go to sleep because Jesus will carry us through tomorrow. Church, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to identify one area where you are your biggest problem. Right? What is one area that you are drinking from the wrong well? And, and what I want you to do is when you identify that, share that with your group leader um, so that you can invite somebody in for accountability and, and healing. The book of James says, says when we confess our sins one to another, we are healed. And, and so, so just shoot your leader a text, give them a phone call and say, hey, Fred said to do this. I've discovered this is my biggest problem right now. And I'm just telling you that so that you can pray for me and I can figure out what it means to to turn to Jesus in this. And then when you do, you turn from that wrong well and turn to Jesus and let him sustain you. And so church, let's be those people that drink from the right well. Let's be those people who drink from the living water. Let's be those people who drink from the best well together. Are you with me? Type amen if you are. I'm going to be over on Facebook Live for a real quick chat before uh, the Fellowship Kids Zoom party kicks off. I would love to see you there so we can talk about this a little bit more. Uh, Church, I love you. I love being the church with you. Thanks for giving food for the donations for the families that we're, we're helping out here in the Oakley community. It's been super helpful. Let me pray for us as we go to this, to this living water, as we go to Jesus. Father, you are good and you are our living water. And Father, may we, may we walk in that living water more and more every day. And, and I do pray, Father, that you would help us identify where we need to see ourselves as our biggest problem. Maybe it's that area that we just keep getting frustrated about because we expect somebody else to fix it or somebody else to do something. Maybe you would show us where we're expecting them to fix it and them as the biggest problem. And and we need to see ourselves as the biggest problem. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's in our home. Father, help us to see that. And when we do, I pray that you would pour out your grace on us and not let us end this in despair, not let us end this in depression, but let us end this in a God who is merciful and and loving and kind and good and who draws us to himself when we see that we are our biggest problem. He doesn't push us away. And so, Father, may we enjoy that living water this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here, church. Like I said, I love you. I'll see you soon.